The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. This is another podcast as part of our series highlighting interesting articles from our membership magazine, Spineline. I'm Alex Michael, a neurosurgery resident at Southern Illinois University, and I'm honored to be here to discuss the usage of tranexamic acid to prevent blood loss and spine surgery with our guest, Dr. James Reynolds. Dr. Reynolds, thank you so much for joining us today. Morning, Alex. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, Now, to start off, there's been quite a few pharmacologic options that surgeons have used over the years to reduce blood loss intraoperatively. Could you tell us about a couple of these, and uh, does one of them seem to be more effective than the others? Well, the short answer is that transdynamic acid is the, or TX, a is the um, best of the antro, antrofibrolytic agents, but there are three. There's a, a protein, an epsilon amino caproic acid known as amicar, and all three of these have been studied, uh, and they were first used in the 1900s to reduce blood loss during cardiovascular surgery. A meta-analysis in uh, 2008 showed that there was a reduction in blood loss with all three of these agents, but with uh, aprotonin, there was an increased risk uh, after cardiovascular surgery of uh, going on to postoperative dialysis. The United Kingdom in 2008 withdrew that medication, aprotonin, and the United States followed soon after. So there are presently two agents that are antifibrolytics which is amicar or epsilon aminocuproic acid and transdynamic acid. And these three drugs, aprotonin, transdynamic acid, and amicar, have been studied in spine surgery, and uh, TXA has been the most effective for reduction of blood loss. And there was one study that compared TXA to um, uh, epsilon aminocuproic acid in a randomized study, and again, TXA uh, proved to be the uh, best agent. Uh, so right now, I think the agent of choice for um, spine surgery to reduce blood loss during surgical procedures is TXA. And this is a lot of very contemporary literature, but I have seen that TXA was actually first synthesized back in the early 1960s, so it's been around a long time. and for that reason, it's made its way into multiple different areas of medicine. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about of how TXA actually works, and is its usage cost-effective when um, used in modern medicine? Well, the, the interesting thing, it was uh, really developed uh, in 1962 by two, two Japanese um, researchers, but not really used clinically for many years. Uh, and it really is a... Um, synthetic analog of the amino acid lysine. And lysine uh, binds to plasminogen uh, reversibly in four or five sites and converts uh, plasminogen to plasmin. And this is the agent that um, uh, causes the degradation of a fibrin clot. So if you prevent uh, the conversion of plasminogen to plasmin, then you reduce the 
degradation of this fibrin clot. And you have to remember, this agent really only works in a wound or incision or bleeding area. It doesn't work in the intervascular areas, the blood vessels like arteries and veins. So the thought that it causes a clotting within the vascular system uh, is false. Uh, it absolutely does not cause any blood clots in the veins or arteries, but only in the uh, area of a site of bleeding. Uh, and it's been used effectively. Uh, it reduces uh, the uh, mortality from trauma. It's been used in uh, severe postpartum um, hemorrhages, nosebleeds, uh, teeth extraction. I mean, it's widely used. And the World Health Organization has it listed on its um, essential list of essential medicines. And these are medicines that are the safest and most effective medicines within uh, the world. And it, the World Health Organization recommends that every health system should have this uh, medication available. It's very, very reasonable in terms of uh, a dose of one gram is uh, about five dollars. You know, when it's administered in the, the United States, it costs between one and two hundred dollars, but it's still very, very cheap. It's also avail, uh, available orally, and that's even cheaper. So you can um, give this medication prior to a surgery, like two hours beforehand. And the tablets are 650 milligrams, and you can give three tablets, which is 1,950 milligrams. Uh, and this is even more cost-effective. Uh, in general, uh, the way it seems to be used is most people get a gram at the beginning uh, of a procedure, but orally is more cost-effective and just as, as shown in studies to be just as effective orally as it is intravenously. Uh, given at the beginning of a case. Very interesting. And, and that goes into my next question, too. And now that you described some of the pharmacophysiology about the uh, mechanism of action, um, are there any side effects that are known to TXA usage? And are there patient-specific contraindications that we surgeons need to know about? Well, essentially, the short answer is there are no side effects. Uh, now, having said that, they they list them as uh, there can be side effects as changes in vision, blood clots, and allergic reactions, but there is no study, theoretical. study that shows that this actually occurs in spine surgery. Uh, there was one study where there were very high doses, which is a loading dose of over 30 grams per kilo um, as a loading dose, and this showed a very slight incidence of uh, increased risk of myocardial infarction, atrial fibrillation, uh, but another study at much higher doses, 50 to 100 milligrams per kilo as a loading dose, showed that this did not occur. So essentially, there's no study that shows us there's any risk. Now, they say you shouldn't give it to people that have clotting, a uh, history of clotting or a history of seizures, but during all of the studies to in the reduction of blood loss using TXA in spine surgery, other than the two very minor increases in uh, myocardial infarction and atrial fibrillation, there really is no study that shows that there's any safety issues with this, no side effects with this administration of TXA. 
Understood. And initially, when you talked about the the first couple studies of cardiac patients and having increased need for dialysis, is that one of the reasons that they recommended decreasing the dose for people that have renal impairment? Does it go back to those early studies? Well, TXA is excreted through the kidneys. And so in people with mild to moderate um, renal impairment, the dose needs to be adjusted. It is a contraindication to use this in people with a severe uh, renal disease. Um, Liver disease, metabolic disease in the liver, though, uh, is not a contraindication since very little of TXA is metabolized within the liver. So the renal impairment would be your only contraindication. And again, in mild or moderate uh, impairment, uh, you just reduce the dose. In severe impairment, they recommend not using it. Okay. Um, Now, it seems a lot of the studies that have been done for TXA use the intravenous route of administration. Are there other forms of TXA available? You talked about the oral administration for surgical use. Uh, do these have any benefits over another form of administration? Well, you can use them in you can use TXA in multiple ways. Uh, as I mentioned, oral, which I think probably would be the most cost-effective way. You just give the tablets uh, before you start the surgery as your part of your preoperative medication. Um, but uh, and then you use a continuous uh, drip uh, at one milligram per kilo. Uh, per hour during the surgical procedure. If you're really looking at a procedure with a lot of blood loss, like a PSO, you can increase the dose very safely. It's been shown that a loading dose of 20 milligrams per kilo uh, and two milligrams per hour per kilo uh, is a very safe level. But again, it's been used at uh, 50 and and, uh, 100 milligrams uh, without side effects. But I think the other real effective way to do it is within the incision itself. And there are two ways to do this. Uh, The studies have been done where they put a solution in the incision at the time of closure. They put a drain in and then they um, clamp the drain for two hours and then opened it up. The other is to take uh, 20 cc's of preservative-free saline and put uh, one gram of uh, TXA in that solution and then put gel foam in that and it soaks up in the gel foam and then you just place the gel foam uh, in the incision and close it. And you can really, uh, most of the time, not even uh, place a drain because there is such a minimal amount of bleeding. Um, The other uh, interesting use uh, was recently reported by a group of plastic surgeons at the Cleveland Clinic, and they were doing facelifts. And normally when they do a facelift, it takes them uh, 45 minutes to an hour to meticulously uh, stop all of the bleeding. Uh, They found that if they injected the muscles in the face with TXA, that the time it took to get a very dry field was 30 minutes less than if they didn't do it. So I think one of the things we could consider in the future is injecting it uh, in the muscle uh, in the area of the incision. Uh, But that hasn't been studied in spine surgery. Um, 
So I think right now my recommendation is give the medication orally, start a continuous drip at one milligram per kilo per hour, and then use the uh, gel foam soaked um, in TXA at the end of the, of the procedure. And uh, we mentioned some of those bigger surgeries like a PSO or scoliosis or deformity case. Um, what procedures do you think patients now would benefit most from TX administration, and personally, what do you currently use it? Are you using it for all your patients, um, just lumbar, any role in cervical spine surgery, uh, any role in anterior spine surgery, uh, or even smaller surgeries like a one-level T-lift, one-level laminectomy? We currently use it in cases we think are going to have uh, a 500 cc blood loss uh, without the use of TXA. Uh, and we give it orally, and then we use a drip of one milligram per kilogram per hour. Um, but I think studies to see if uh, even surgeries with less uh, of an expected blood loss, uh, would this be helpful? We currently put it in all the incisions as we close it, even um, small decompressions. Uh, because the wound uh, doesn't have any bleeding, it reduces swelling. I think that is probably helpful for every case that you do. Anteriorly, we really haven't used it much, but most of our anteriors are followed by a posterior, so we expect 500 cc blood loss, so we give it for that reason. Gotcha. So anterior neck surgery, cervical spine, um, still refraining from use for those kind of surgeries? Uh, we don't use it for that, but I think it would be very interesting to uh, see if you put a small amount of gel foam with uh, TXA on it uh, anteriorly, would there be a reduction in the difficulty of swallowing uh, post-operable? But it reduces yeah, swelling. Sure. Um, and I would think it would be very benign. Uh, yeah, that's really that's an interesting question, and um, maybe a three, four level ACDF it could decrease some post-op dysphagia. Yes, um, and, and that kind of brings me to my last uh, question for you. What do you think we still need to know about TXA use in spine surgery? Are there questions still that we need to to answer? Sounds like trying to get the ideal indications um, and ideal dosages and routes administration are the big questions. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we talked about the oral administration, whether it uh, would be as good as the um, intravenous. Um, but I think the real important question is, based on the procedure, how should you administer a TXA? In other words, if you're doing a one-level TLEF, is your loading dose 10 milligrams? If you're doing a... Um, a two-level TLF is your loading dose 20 milligrams. Uh, if you're doing a PSL, is your loading dose 30 milligrams, 50 milligrams? Uh, if you're doing a real extensive uh, uh, spine deformity where there's uh, vertebrectomies and uh, multiple areas of uh, correction, um, should you go as high as 100 milligrams? And that that has been reported and studied and found to be useful. So. I, you know, I think there are different amount, different amounts of TXA that you can give at uh, for different procedures, 
and I think that needs to be clarified. Well, that's excellent. Well, I'm very appreciative, Dr. Reynolds, for giving up his time to discuss the current state of TXA and spine surgery, and uh, especially for continuing his pursuit to help make surgery safer for our patients. Uh, So that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you very much, uh, Alex.